It's Tuesday. We're out of Mercury retrograde. If that matters to you, life is a hundred percent better. Uh, guys, I'm joined here by my co-hosts. I'm Dave. Happy to be here with Choo Choo Anna Valenzuela. Choo 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 Choo. Okay. Uh, yes, I, uh, I I'm very excited to be here. It is a beautiful day here in Los Angeles, and I'm really really excited for our guests because both of us just adore her and we she's the best and we always let our guests introduce themselves just in case they want to like stay anonymous so who are we speaking with today oh hi i'm katrina hello everyone oh i'm katrina davis i tell jokes with anna and dave I never say my full name, but I forget that. Hi, I'm Katrina, everyone. <laughs> Katrina, <laughs> Katrina Davis. Davis. Write that name down. This bitch is going to be famous. <laughs> she already is a little. You do so much. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm, I was already excited just to talk to you guys because we all miss each other. But then <laughs> I got your text and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so excited to talk about all this stuff. Because some of it is like mad relevant stuff that's happened this week. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. This is really yeah. exciting. Let's get into it then. Fuck yeah. it. You're, you're raring to go. Let's do this. Let's do yeah, this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read our clarity statement oh, yeah, real that quick, too. and then we're going to jump into this. Uh, here at 12 Questions Podcast, uh, we believe that growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences and growth by also interviewing guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AANA or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions Pod has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We are simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to interview people about their own life experiences. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them aren't or choose not to divulge. So the purpose of this podcast is to learn more about ourselves. And we only hope that you can learn something about yourselves and each other by listening. Yay! Beautiful! And that was, it's so funny, because I am not totally sober. And so at first I was like, wait, why did they tell me to do this? And then I was like, they wouldn't tell me to do this if I wasn't allowed to do this. So I just went with it. Yeah, it's like a secret intervention. No, I'm kidding. I, uh, you're... <laughs> You're such a balanced person, and you also smoke mad weed, which I, I, I respect it. Because if I could be balanced and smoke weed, I would, but I can't. I can't even, like, I can't have granola in my life responsibly. You know what I mean? Like, I'll just eat it till I shit myself. No, I understand all of, like, I see even awareness levels in myself of how much I do even uh, smoke, because that's the one thing that I really do. Like, I am shitty at drinking like i forget to drink by accident like i'll have a beer and then just talk too much and then it's warm and i wasted it and everyone's like you're bad at this like i'm bad at drinking you you treat food you treat alcohol the way white people drink food or treat food because i never i've never met a person of color who's forgotten to eat Never in my life. Oh, I, <laughs> if I go out with friends, I will show up early so that I eat before they get there. Because if there's people there, I'm not going to eat. I'm talking too much. Like, uh, I, so I 
am. I do have that, but I am. Oh, I'm hungry. Like, <laughs> needs to happen. But I just inhale it before there's people around. Because if there's people around, like, I'm probably going to forget. So I get that. Oh. But also, like, stomach forever. <laughs> right? You are, you are such a beautiful social butterfly. I love it. Thank you. And I think honestly, though, it's just like we have people like yourselves because um, I it's like we say in the statement, like I truly believe, even though like I'm, I'm a sober person, that the, the principles that the questions that we have to ask are valid for human beings in general. So I, I, I feel like the goal of the podcast, you know, as I see it and, and Anna, maybe you can attest to this as well, that if we can open the door a little bit for people like who, who knows what they could get out of it to help an aspect of their life that doesn't necessarily require sitting in a church basement and drinking burnt fucking coffee with a bunch of strangers, you know? So, <laughs> but it might, and that saved my life, you know, and that's okay too. But it's just like, we want to leave the door open for anybody who's working on themselves. Yeah. yeah. I feel like even some people, it might be a combo of like this and burnt coffee, but I do love the idea of having a space that is that safe. That it's like, because I think that is the one divide as someone who feels like they have most of their vices under control for the most part, but I'm still very sensitive to is like, if something's sober, I am not going to like mess with your sober world, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think it's like really nice and probably opens it up to a ton more people. Yeah. hear something like that up top is like, oh shit. Okay, cool. Like that's so nice. And having, uh, interviewing multiple types of like people in and out of the rooms was actually an insistence of my sponsor. When I first started the podcast, she was like, it's really important that you just interview interesting people. Cause no matter what, these are interesting questions. And, um, so, so it's, it's, Totally cool. I love it. And there's also too, if you're not like an addicted person or an alcoholic person, there's also, I don't know if we've mentioned this in a while, there's other 12 step programs. There's Al-Anon, ACA. There isn't a comedian on the planet that doesn't qualify for Al-Anon because we around drug addicts and alcoholics constantly, you know, like Al-Anon, ACA, Codependence Anonymous, there's Smokers Anonymous, there's Gamblers Anonymous, there's all kind of anonymous these things. Yeah. so it's it's really fun, but I'm I'm very excited to hear how these questions relate to you now because I I definitely feel like these questions right now are of a lot of importance. There's so much going on that yeah. these principles like require us to get into. It's kind of mm-hmm. weird, like watching watching people who don't have like don't have a twelve step program getting into the concept of acceptance. I'm like. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> it's so funny because I do find myself um, consciously being aware of the feeling of self righteousness and actively replacing that with being happy for people because I feel like someone who likes to help people, there is also a joy in being like, I fucking told you so. <laughs> Replace that with just being happy that those realizations are happening and just making people's lives better in like all these little dots all over the world instead of getting like a big dick about it myself. (laughs) I was already there. (laughs) I love it. So let's hop into it. What does surrender look like for you, Katrina? Oh, that one really, (laughs) like I read that even as the first one, I was like, whoo, all right, here we go. (laughs) 
that's such a like vulnerable word to me mm. and it's probably something i definitely have a lot of difficulty with as someone that is more likely to find strength in the opposite mm. like i'm way more likely to feel strength from a defense than to letting something go like mm. the idea of that to me i already have to fight the internal idea that it's weak. Mm. So it's definitely hard for me to surrender, but when I hear it, I immediately think of being more peaceful. Like when you stop fighting it and actually surrender to something that you thought was going to make you feel weak, it actually can sometimes make you end up feeling stronger. Mm-hmm. Like I, for example, if I am being really defensive because I have a feeling of vulnerability with someone, mm. like even if it's in like a romantic relationship, um, cause this is one time that it happened. Ah, oh, technically this was for a second one, but I'll find something else for that. But it was like, that's okay. I was ha- happy. I was so happy and surprised with this outcome, but I did not think it was going to end this way. And it goes against the idea of everything we're kind of taught societally in relationships. So I was hooking up with this guy. It was super casual. Things ended. And then we ended up hooking up again. And I was kind of under the guise of like, okay, you definitely don't want to date me, but like, are we friends that hook up sometimes? So like, if we're going to be friends that hook up sometimes, I still hang out with you like you're my friend. You know what I mean? Like I've been in situations like this before where like you don't have to worry about me falling in love with you, but I will be like, can we get a sandwich? Like I won't literally just hook up with you. Um, You got to have a little bit of backstory. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally open to the idea of not wanting to be committed, but like we have to talk. Yeah. So so after we hooked up that second time, I was like, oh, hey, do you want to hang out? And he kind of went into this long, like, letting me down speech that I was like, oh, shit. And I immediately wanted to get defensive because I felt insecure that he thought that I was, like, getting butthurt about something I wasn't. So I immediately wanted to react to that. Then I wanted to be like, you're giving me the speech. I don't need the speech. Like, I had all of these (laughs) immediate defensive reactions. But instead, I was just like, hey, um, it's okay. Like, if you want to be this way, I just require certain things from a person if I'm going to have that Mm. kind of relationship. What made you think that I wouldn't want that? Like, I'm just asking the question. Like, I'm not mad. I'm not trying to, like, go crazy girl on you. But, like, what did you think? And it kind of hurt me that you would assume that I don't have feelings because I feel like the little bit you know me you know I have a shit ton of feelings so like why would you think that I would be okay with something with that much lacking and he didn't say anything and I felt like a fucking idiot all day and you know even as a woman Anna that's something that we women on a scale are like why the fuck would you ever tell someone how you really feel you're that's not the plan like (laughs) what are you doing you're an idiot So all day was just like, I made a huge mistake being that vulnerable in terms of being surrendering and just letting go everything that I wanted to hold back and be like a hard ass about. I just put it all out there. And then six hours of being like, I'm an idiot. That was (laughs) a bad move. Uh, Not excited. (laughs) 
about this and then at the end of the day he was just like hey i really thought about what you said and like if i really would have thought about it you're right you're not that kind of person i just wasn't thinking in the moment and i was like yeah i totally get it because like i kind of wanted to hook up with you too like it's fine and we had a totally fine conversation we're totally cool now and i felt so much lighter yeah taking that chance and that go that way than me being like they're dogs bad 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 because i didn't want to just like go out on a limb and right. surrender those feelings i don't know if that counts but like that's yes. what i think of of like that level of weakness to me it's not weakness but that's what i think of surrender right. is like accepting sure. something that i interpret as weak and realizing that it's okay <laughs> yeah there's a cheesy program saying called surrender to win ah yeah, there's also another one that uh, I have to often ask myself. It's like, I can either fight or I can be free. You know, like I can either tell you what's what because it's going to engage something in my brain that justifies what I'm about to say, or I could just choose to surrender. And the thing is with the word surrender, people think it's, you know, like a, like in terms of in battle, like your surrender and the weak yeah. side surrenders and thing. And that's why we have all these negative connotations to surrender when it really just means like, I'm not, I cease fighting, you know, mm-hmm. like, it, it, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a boundary that's for me and not anybody else. I like that too. Even thinking of it as cease fighting, which I know that mm-hmm. is what it is, but thinking of it that way is good. I like that. Yeah. 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 I love that. What is the most insane moment that you've had in your journey throughout life? Oh, hold on. Because I had, cut it out. Sorry if you hear blinds. It's my cat. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you heard a crash at the beginning of the podcast, that was Oscar letting us know that I'm not paying attention to him. Oh, see, oh yeah, no, they're, they're hilarious. Um, <laughs> because I had, oh, okay. Um, in terms of physical chaos, I lost consciousness once and had to get 23 stitches in my face. Okay. What? So it was the most insane, but I had like mild head trauma. So I wasn't, I think, able to grasp how stressed out everyone else was about it. Yeah. So what was technically the most insane I don't really have the stress from? Like, it was fun to me because I wasn't fully coherent. Like, I stood up too fast, um, which this also came back to memory, like, no joke, probably like two or three years later. But it's my fault. And I didn't realize that I took a bong rip. And then my roommate, I was waiting for my roommate to finish get ready, getting ready for gelato. We were all supposed to go get gelato. <laughs> And I took a bong rip and she went, I'm ready. And I was like, fucking finally. And I stood up to grab my keys and I stood up too fast and basically passed myself out. Yeah. But I like lost consciousness and like ate it and broke a piggy bank with my face and like had like my jaw was like ripped open. Whoa. But in my head, it wasn't as bad as it really was. Like I thought it was like a scratch and it was like a hole. So I was like, I'll just lay down and you guys can bring me back gelato. Like that's where <laughs> I, was, I was trying to like compromise with people on going to the ER. <laughs> and like I was like rolling around in my wheelchair and like demanding that they turn it on Family Guy because Adult Swim had just started. But I was also had the coherence to like, there was a little boy who had hit his head on something, but like 
you know when you even coming from backgrounds where you're not as well off you know when people you can tell people are poor like there was a lady there was a mom in the er with her little boy and his head was bleeding and he was crying and she had him wrapped up in a bed sheet but it was like this bitch didn't even have an ice pack like clearly and i was like super out of it and being like that little boy needs to go before me this is fucked up like i was like like concussed and yelling about the healthcare system. It was like, okay. <laughs> uh, with like all my roommates just being like, Katrina, please stop screaming. It was, um, but I fell, when I fell, I hit a piggy bank and broke it and then kind of like stood up, but was like out of it was like, whoa, like I heard it, but I didn't see it. So I thought my roommate broke something and I was like, what happened? Like, where's Bryn? And everyone was like, you need help. And I was like, what are you talking about? So, we're in the ER for hours, whatever. I have to at some point get a, I got like a CAT scan and a bunch of other shit, but I went to go take my sports bra off and a bunch of change had gotten in my bra from when I said. Jackpot. <laughs> I go to take my bra to get like an EKG to make sure I'm not dying and like a buck 45 and shit <laughs> out of my shirt and falls onto the ER floor. And they're just like, what the hell? And I was like, I can't even, I don't have the fucking brain cells to come. Uh, you guys won't let me go to sleep. I can't explain this. I'm so <laughs> It was awesome. But like the guy that did my stitches was badass. Cause he was like, oh, there, there's, cause I, I kept being like, how many I'm gonna get? This is so badass. So I was making him count my stitches out loud. <laughs> and he was like, we got 13. And I was like, oh, 13, my lucky number. That's so metal. And he was probably like, who the hell? Awesome. He had to like pick a bunch of porcelain out of my face. <laughs> oh my god. I think god. I'm only gonna call you Katrina Buck 45 Davis. Yes. But yeah, that was probably my most insane moment, but it didn't really feel that insane to me because I was just like mad foggy. Yeah. Yeah. I when I uh, got alcohol poisoning when I was uh, in high school, I was being I was like hypothermic and they picked me up in <gasps> a in a uh, in an ambulance, I was wearing somebody else's clothes, obviously, because I hadn't been home for days. I was on all kind of acid and full of Bacardi. And so, like, we're, we're driving away, and they go to put a, uh, a IV in my hand. And I, I remember this kind of graying in and out. I was like, these aren't my clothes. Don't give me an IV until I can strip down at the ER. And I just ripped the IV out. Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> like some Kill Bill shit. And so I woke up in four point restraints <laughs> with just my bra on like, what? <laughs> it said, oh it said I'm going to the ER logic. Like, yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> my dad had a regular medical issue where he was like in an induced coma because he couldn't they couldn't get him back to be oh. loose enough but he kept pulling at the emergency straps and he broke one of them so they were like afraid of my dad like my dad was like in a coma and the orderly was like sliding him his food and then he woke up and the first time he went to go eat he was like I can barely lift my arm up. I was like, yeah, dude, you've been fucking like doing like restraint. Like you've basically been doing rowing for <laughs> two days without stopping. It was so funny. 
That's wild. My grandma's like that too. She uh, she's had two brain surgeries because she likes to have vodka for breakfast and fall down and hit her head. So she keeps getting these brain bleeds. And so the second one was it the first one or the second? I can't remember. But I walked in and I see my grandma in four points, and I go to the ICU nurse and I go, "What happened?" And she said, she woke up, we called to tell you she woke up, and then she just started tearing all the medical equipment off. Uh, she was like, I feel trapped, and started, like, fighting up. And then she yelled, if I have to be in this bed for a week, I demand to be unconscious. <laughs> so they just filled her full of, I don't know, Dilaudid, Thorazine, something. And I picked her oh, up no. seven days later. She was refreshed as a newborn baby. <laughs> oh God, the idea of making that request is so bold. <laughs> so that's my grandma. Fuck you. I want to be high and asleep. <laughs> oh, man. To be unconscious. Dave, you got any fun medical stories? I mean, I if you look uh, on the screen here, if you ever see the video podcast, I've got uh, these scars above my eyebrow. Um, I uh, a couple of them. Uh, I, I got jumped at a party once in Chicago. Uh, we were we were doing like a like a chugging contest, like you do, and uh, I was whooping the shit out of everybody because. You know, <laughs> king shit alcoholic and then uh me and me and my buddy my roommate were walking uh uh back from smoking a bowl into the party and the people that like we were chugging against were uh-huh. leaving and i just said have a good night drive safe and then the one was like oh you're talking shit to us this like girl i'm like i'm like and i said and this is 2003 no no 2006 maybe and uh, the, like I said, have a good night, drive safe. And this girl started going nuts. And I'm like, what are, you, what are you retarded? Like, all I said was have a good night, drive safe. Like I said, it was 2006. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know to remove that word from my lexicon. Um, and she's like, oh, you calling, you calling me this? And then she got these dudes that were football players to come like try to kick my ass, right? And then they circle me up and like uh, dropped me on the ground and smashed my face into the pavement oh. and it cracked my right orbital. Oh now, my what they didn't know is my roommate, as high as he was, was also a fourth degree black belt. Oh, so, yeah. so he grabbed one of the guys and put him in a fish hook, like with oh, fingers. Yeah. He grabbed the dude inside his mouth and started pulling and he oh. yells over his shoulder, I'm going to rip your friend's face off his fucking body if you don't leave my friend alone oh my God. so the dude's lips started bleeding and <gasps> the guys see that and they fucking they stop whooping up on me and they all run away and i get up finally because i had like five people stomping on me and like my eyes like swollen shut oh and everything God. like that and like we went back to the party you need to go to the hospital and i'm like all right so you know naturally i took another you know hit a weed and chugged another beer and then they took me to the hospital so they stitched me up and did an x-ray and i had cracked my orbital but like it was like a hairline fracture you know and it's just it's funny because it's like it'll lead into the next question a little bit but it's like my decision making ability when i'm fucked up is 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 out of this world like my first thoughts were is i'm gonna have one more beer and smoke <laughs> another joint and then you're gonna take me to the hospital because i mean you can still see the scar now yes. for those like it's like through yeah. my eyebrow yes. uh, uh i was gushing 
and like just like what? holding like a towel or something and then still drinking and then i'm like okay now i'll go to the hospital And I feel like even the idea that we have all multiple times, either ourselves or other people, watch people have to be convinced to go to the emergency room for something that clearly needs to be like, you could have not told me I need to go to the emergency room. Like, I thought I went as a compromise, but I was legit like, y'all are being dramatic. I'm doing this for (laughs) y'all. I just put some Neo Sport on it. I I got some tape. I, that's seriously what I thought I was going to do. But also, I feel bad that Dave, I was like, oh my gosh, Dave got jumped at a party and then he said he was in Chicago and I was like, oh, got it, continue. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. No, that's, uh, yeah, that was, it was literally like it leaving and coming and going from the party and I said, have a good night, drive safe and they were pissed for some reason. Yeah. And- yeah, because people don't trust niceness. I had a yeah. neighbor make a bunch of noise and I wrote a note that can, I was like, oh, hey, can you guys just mm-hmm. move down? And they moved down. And so the next day I wrote a note saying like, hey, thanks for moving. And the next time I saw him, he was like, hey, were you fucking with me? Like, no. <laughs> I that shit. Like they literally don't trust genuine. They don't. You, you're, you're from uh, Florida, right? Yeah. Small mm-hmm. town, big town. Well, I grew up in Orange Park, which is a suburb of Jacksonville. So it's like, we joke that Jacksonville isn't a city. It's five, uh, Herman Nasworth, one of my friends has, it's not a city. It's five shit dick towns holding hands. It's all just like spread out, but I'm from one of them. The only thing I know about Jacksonville is the um, Cat Williams special where he spends the first 15 minutes yelling about jackson <laughs> that's from there is like yeah everyone in the theater was hammered and that went over well but it's like all right <laughs> it's kind of wrong. like it's all right but it's like yeah he goes on for a minute it's, it's a minute it's a minute but I, I i'm a country girl from northern california and so when i first moved to la it's like, and it still happens on occasion. I'll try to just be nice. Like I was at a, I was at a comedy show and these two women were literally yelling at each other over what is a podcast. And I just turned and I said, ma'am, a podcast is a radio show you can download at your leisure on your electronic device and listen to whenever you want. And they both were just like, why would you put in? What the fuck is wrong with you? We hate you. And my, my sponsor was with me and she was like, you know, I've heard you talk to me about this, but I had to see it to believe it. You have a fuck you face. People really <laughs> oh, want to yell oh, at your kindness. They're so threatened by it. <laughs> they really yell at mine, but they definitely don't trust it all. No. <laughs> so being kind, how do you make decisions? Katrina? Um, I'm very, very logical. Like the older I get, the more I realize how painfully pragmatic I am because of my mom. So I feel like even when I am making a decision that may be emotional, I am aware enough to be like, oh yeah, but I'm making an emotional decision right now. Like I should probably make a better one, but I don't want to. So I'm not gonna. Like I'm very present, even if I'm, (laughs) for the most part, even if I make a wrong decision, I'm like, oh, I'm actively making a wrong decision. Right. And then every once in a while I get caught off guard. Like, what the fuck was I thinking? Why did I do that? But I try to, I try to, I'm a planner. I study stuff. I Google stuff. Like I don't, really even moving here 
Like when people were like, oh, you're moving to LA? How did you do it? I was like, I literally Googled moving cross country and cross-referenced like four blog checklists and did everything I needed to do to leave and like did it. I didn't talk to anybody. Like once I started doing stuff, I kind of started figuring stuff out. But it's like, I've never not been able to seek out enough information on my own to feel okay with a decision. Because mm. also I'm bad and I'm working on it, but I don't really trust people. So where a lot of people would maybe ask advice of people, I like, even for the things that I ask advice advice of other people, they are normally more emotional. If it's anything logical, it's like, I don't fucking need you. I can look it up. (laughs) You're on the other side of the spectrum of what I I see a lot of people do this as well, where they, instead of making a decision with their own logic and critical thinking skills, they'll take a survey of all of their friends' opinions it's like, I will never answer a tweet that's like, what podcast equipment should I buy? Again, Google it. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm, I, I used to be in that camp of like, um, I called it last meal ever syndrome. I couldn't order in a restaurant because I couldn't make decisions. Uh, <laughs> I'd just be like, I don't know. I'll have uh, the ice cream with Pop Rocks. And so like, I love that. I love that you're, you're aware that you're like, I, I get all gather all the information you need and then I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. Well, like even cause I will do the same thing on a small scale in a restaurant where it's like, Oh, I can't make up my mind. I will. I now can recognize when I'm in the mood where I don't know what I want to eat and it literally doesn't matter what I put in my face. So I'll just pick whatever, or I want two things, but one of these things I always get. And one of these things is new. Do I want something new? I'll try that. And if I can't, you know what I mean? I try to just like narrow things down. Yeah. And I yeah. kind of do this with other people where if I'm trying to help someone with a problem and I'm asking them questions, they're like, well, I don't know. And then like, then I don't know. Like, if you don't know, then you've hit the wall. <laughs> Why are you asking people if you don't know? <laughs> Because they want you to make the decision for them. And I'm not that per Like, I try not to be anyway. I yeah. definitely am a bossy, like, I don't know why you would do that kind of person. <laughs> uh, I, try, I try not to be. <laughs> Amazing. What is your, um, what is the thing that you've learned about yourself the most in your journey? Like, what's the most surprising thing you've learned? Um, ooh, I would say in general... Um, I definitely could have had things a lot harder. Like my parents worked really hard to like get out of like, I was born in Baltimore. My mom saw our neighborhood going down and was like, we're leaving. Like Mm. my mom went to school and had multiple jobs her whole life. And every time I was like hanging out with her at a school on the weekend, instead of going somewhere, she would be like, I'm doing this so that we can have more money for you to go to college or for us to go on trips or for us to do. So I've always been very aware of like the direct correlation between like whatever was, hold on. I'm really sorry. What did you ask me? What's the most surprising thing you've learned? Yeah, I'm so sorry. Why I got, okay. Cause like seeing that and like kind of, coming up in that way I feel like I'm not really surprised by my resilience because I feel like I could have been challenged a lot more Mm. but I guess I'm surprised like the negative one I'm the most surprised in is I was in a like mildly mentally abusive relationship Mm. 
that didn't last long, but was super mentally destructive. And it was so surprising to me that considering myself very like confident, not very weak willed, all of these things, it surprised me that I was the kind of person that could find myself in that kind of situation. Mm. And so I think getting out of that was something that I surprised myself with because I never thought it was something that I would need to have to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, cause I want to, and the reason I even started that other rant was because I feel stupid saying resilient because it's like, I could have come from way worse shit. It's like, I've only been shown like the good examples of, you know, working hard and doing things and making the plan for whatever is going to hopefully make your prepare you for your life to be the best. So that's probably the one time that I was kind of thrust into something that I realized I was in when it was too late. And then was like, wait, I have to get out of it. How am I going to get out of this? Mm -hmm. Sure. But your, I mean, your pain is your pain. Like I, I sometimes will look back and could I have had it way worse? And I mean, yeah, probably, you know, but I mean, I think finding surprise in the the inner strength that you have you know like that's that's something we all run into you know depending on the situation i think it's it's surprising when we surmount our expectations of ourselves because i i don't i don't have very high uh expectations of myself sometimes internally but then i'll surprise myself with the ability to uh, you know um push through that Yeah, like this, I think is going to come up later in one of your questions, but the mini version of that that I realize on a more daily basis is in yoga, Mm -hmm. where you're constantly being like, okay, learning your limits and learning when like you really need to stop, but also being like, oh, I thought I was tired and I'm not. Or I thought that I wasn't going to get out of anything out of this and I was. Or I thought that I was too angry to meditate, but I wasn't. Like those kind of things that are smaller will still be like, oh shit, as a know-it-all, I thought that I knew myself and I was mad wrong. Like that's mm-hmm. probably my biggest thing is thinking, because that's definitely my, both my parents all the time, they yell at me and say, you think you know everything. I say I know more than anything. I try really hard, yes. like I'm really aware of it, but I start so many, com- like back and forth with I know. I say it so much. So mm. I, the older I get in, more aware of the idea that I don't know what I think I know, even about myself. Yeah. And like pushing past that a little bit and being like, oh, okay, shit, I guess I could do that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Internal, <laughs> internal curiosity. Yeah. Internal curiosity. That is, that's definitely, and it requires so much like humility to, to be like, I learned this in both recovery and in karate actually, uh, which is I got my black belt and I realized how much I didn't know. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, now, and because my sensei looked at me and he said, okay, now you're a serious student. <gasps> and I was like, now I am. Now I am. This has been six years. Uh-huh. Six years. And so, um, the, and the same thing in recovery, it's like you get five years in recovery and people are like, you hear the pop? That's the sound of your head coming out of your ass for the first time. Oh and my it's, God. It, it's knowing like at five and 10 years, I distinctly remember being very aware of how little I knew. I was like, wow, I thought I knew some shit. Uh, Uh Incidentally, I got a lot to learn. (laughs) 
Yep. <laughs> Which is great. I know. I think that's a real strength. I think that that's what makes you end up being limitless is like recognizing the idea that there's always more and not being like, I'm done. <laughs> I think that's, we see that a lot in comedians. They'll be like, I did the thing. I'm done. Give me a cookie. <laughs> and you're like, nah, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> this shit is mad continuous. <laughs> <laughs> that that is something that I try to and like I try to let people especially when it comes to stand up like say whatever they want like I do not get into those philosophical conversations with people you're but so if smart someone younger that like talks about it and it's like oh stand up I want to do stand up where that mic I'm like you're doing it this is it there's people here they're listening to you your job is to make them laugh like we're other comics but we're not aliens you still have to work on making people like us laugh so like you're in it it yeah. might not feel like what you thought it was, but like you're doing it. And I've had people do it to me because I still have a day job. I still do all this stuff. And I was like working. I drove to like rent a car, drove to Fresno, like worked in the morning, signed off, drove to Fresno, were signed on, did a show. And then was like there for the weekend, but was signing on. And I was like, yeah, like doing stand up and stuff. And they were like, you still have a day job, but like, this is it. You're doing it. Like, yeah. That's the thing. And I was like, oh shit. Like, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I distinguish it this way. This is my job. And the thing I do to punch in is make money. Yeah. So it's like, I've hopefully that translates into the same thing. But yep. like, yeah, sometimes you gotta, if you want to, you know, live as well as you do, Miss Instagram house back there. <laughs> my one room. It's beautiful. <laughs> I do love my one square. I am very, very happy in terms of like I moved here. I would I got pushed out because it was too expensive for me to live in Westwood anymore. Like mm-hmm. my rent went up like two hundred and fifty dollars in two no. years. No. And so I got pushed out and I moved here and I was just like, I'm gonna make this like I'm gonna stay here and huddle until I can buy land. That's my plan. So like I love <laughs> my square. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> what's your level of honesty in your life Ooh, uh i would like to hope brutal but i'm always working on it but okay i do do very very often hear that i'm very blunt Mm. to the point where people like ask me like why i talk that way and stuff like that but And I think that my day job has even made me worse about this um, in terms of what I call like a waspy culture. And I say that in terms of the politeness. Yes. Like, and I use my day job because it's something that people kind of can relate to the most in terms of why the bullshit is so infuriating. Mm -hmm. But like, say you're working with someone and they ask you to do work, you do the work, they go to turn the work in, but they realize they forgot to ask you to do a part of it. Mm-hmm. So instead of them saying, oh, hey, I'm really sorry. I forgot about this part. Can you also do this part? They're like, oh, hey, we had an update. Could you, uh, at, like, people will then, one, not admit their fault. Right. Two, make it look like you somehow made yeah. it. Yeah. Then equate um language with it that makes it like it just happened like because my mom also makes fun of me from when I was really little but she used to ask me what happened to stuff and I would go it broke and she'd be like oh it broke how magically like it was just sitting there by itself and it broke like (laughs) you're 
language is so telling about how you're yes. not assigning blame. So yes. I'm so infuriated by that in other people that I feel like I am constantly it's being just as stringent with myself as I would want other people to be with me. So it's mm-hmm. like, if I do something messed up, I'm going to tell you I messed up. Yeah. The more I do that, the less uncomfortable it is for me to admit that I fuck up. I fuck up all the time. Like I'll even in little things where, oh, I want to be in here by myself mad because I didn't get to do yoga and now I have stuff to do work. And it's like, well, no, you got high and then ate breakfast too late and didn't do what you would have normally done. And now everything's backed up. Yeah, that's all it is. So now you can fix it or like say your whole day is ruined. It's like, it's, I feel like we live in a culture that makes it very, very easy to omit uh, our personal, like how our actions affect things. Yeah. And so I'm constantly reminding people, not on purpose, but it's like, people say, oh, well, I'm late. I'll be like, oh, well, what happened? Oh, well, we were here and we were talking to them. It's like, oh, well, also you were late because of that too. And then I'm a jerk. Cause I pointed something and it's like, I'm just letting you know what also happened. Like, I'm not saying that it's not bullshit that your parking space got stolen, but like, also you were already 15 minutes late and that wasn't that person's fault. So now you're getting, you're piling on anger to something that you also have some ownership of. And uh, I don't know, people don't like to hear yeah. stuff like yeah. Well, I think honesty and ownership are are, the the fact like the word ownership is what I was uh, I was thinking of the whole time. And it's just like I'm more honest with myself and others when I have the ability to take ownership over my own shit. Mm -hmm. A lot of people can't take ownership over their part. Mm-hmm. in situations so the the honesty only goes so far and i i know that because it took it took a long time and i'm still working on it of mm-hmm. you know uh, as they say in the 12-step realm uh cl- keeping my side of the street clean like taking ownership ah. of, of of my part mm-hmm. in the situations that i find myself in right yeah. So yeah. yeah, I definitely get told that like, I'm very like blunt and why do you talk that way? And it's like, there's no other way for me to talk. Like, I feel like I get to the point easier saying this super plain than if we would have had some weird thinly veiled conversation where we both walk away pretty sure of what the other person was getting at. Mm-hmm. But because yeah. no one said anything outright, we're not a hundred percent. Like, why would that be want to ever be your takeaway? That <laughs> is no. <laughs> By the way, Katrina, you were describing the cycle that gets me fired at every day job in an office <laughs> I've ever had. Ever. Because I'm very much like, hey, there's an elephant in the room. Anybody want to talk about that? They're like, no. And I'm like, yes. How about I stand on it and scream? And they're like, uh, no, you're the problem. And that's how it was in my family, on the, especially the white side of my family. And the Latino side of my family, they'll cut your ass. But like on the white side of my family, it's like very like, well, actually, you know. Yeah. And I'm in a relationship right now where that is a huge communication issue that waspy culture because they're like mad waspy they're not just like you know white people white people it's like they're waspy like they're like privileged rich waspy people you know like he and i get in arguments over whether or not leopard print is a neutral um to be <laughs> fair i'm correct leopard print is a neutral. it is it's a neutral it's yeah don't find me on this it's it's true it's earth tones it's perfect it's a neutral if you're brown so like so 
he, so in his family, oftentimes he's there right now. And when he comes back, I have to give it three, four weeks of being like, what are you really asking me? Because he has to deprogram. And one time we were sitting there just like talking back and forth and he goes, oh, and I go, what? And he goes, I still three years later and getting used to how direct you are. That's what it is. Yes. Direct. <laughs> yes. And, and being direct, like I was, I was telling my roommate last night, I have the kind of personality I could kill a boner with my words. Oh, absolutely. I don't have to do the anything I, with a look. Like I, I just face you shoulders square, hips square. And I tell you what I think. And I actually could hear penises running front in the opposite direction. Just trying to like get away. Like, ah, cause but I, but yeah. then I feel like maybe you can also even being someone in recovery that people know you're working on yourself and stuff. Cause I feel like this happens to me and I'm seeing if it's like a recovery and where you're at thing or like a womanly wis- wisdom, like your yeah. boss can tell people what to do thing, but people will present things in a way that you can tell they're looking for you to tell them if it's okay or not. I'm going to give you the antidote to that. And, and- Well, and I don't feel bad, but like people say, oh, well, I could have done this, that, and the other. And I'll go, yeah, but you didn't. (laughs) And and I didn't say, then it made me think of when you said boner killer, because it's like, I didn't use a bunch of words. I only put, I Mm -hmm. only asked the thing you said. Like, I'm saying what you said. (laughs) Yeah, my, because I get that. I call them the be my mommy boys. So I'll show up, especially in comedy, these boys that'll come up and be like, and, and what I'll just say is like, hmm, what are you going to do about that? And then I just let it go. You know, rather than answering the question for them, just being like, what are you going to do about that? If I'm really close to somebody and I love them, I'll be like, I think I said David text last night. I was like, go read a book. <laughs> I was like, go distract your ass. But like, do like younger guys come up to you and like present or even people that are like in different stages of recovery, kind of like throw mm-hmm. something out there and just be like, I'm going to see how they react to this and see if they condone this behavior to kind of make me feel a little bit better about it. Yeah, there's, there's, we get the, Dave and I have both gotten this. What do you mean I can't still smoke pot? It's not alcohol. And I'm like, nope. Yeah, what do you do, Dave? Do you just kind of look at them? <laughs> well, I, I, have a, I have a good example of what I think you're getting at. Like, I was hanging out at the comedy store, and this younger comic was telling me about how he was living in his car, and it's the grind, bro. And I was like, no get the fuck out of your car. He's yeah. like, what do you mean? I'm like, you live in your car is going to be fucking terrible for your mental well-being. Cause he mm-hmm. was assuming that I was going to co-sign his shit. Right. Everybody else around them that thinks they know. Uh-huh. And I'll be the first person to admit, I only know as much as someone who's been doing nine years of comedy at, at my level, whatever that is, knows what to do. So I can only speak on that, but he's I killing it. He makes a living off of comedy. He ain't got no day job. He's crushing it guys. Booking deviates. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I am currently unemployed like uh, the rest of the fucking community. <laughs> so uh, I'm not killing it. Um, but so I, I, I told that kid what I felt. And I said, look, man, if I didn't like you, I wouldn't tell you this shit. I would just let you live in your car and talk mm-hmm. about how dating is hard in LA because you can't fuck a bitch in the back of your sedan, you know? So then like three months later, I was at the Hollywood bowl and, you know, catching a show and uh, I was going to the bathroom and who comes 
walking out of the bathroom, this dude, and he had a laminate on and a collared shirt and he went and got himself a job. And he's like, man, I got a job in an apartment. Thank you. You know, but I don't do that for everybody because that's the thing, you know, like you can tell who's willing to take suggestions sometimes and Mm -hmm. who's not. Uh. I will make suggestions if you're willing to consider the suggestions. But the Mm -hmm. moment I feel like even if it's just as small as me, like if we're friends and I write a tag down, I'm like, hey, try this. If you can use it, cool. If you can't, whatever. Uh And like I see that you don't even consider that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make suggestions anymore. I'm not going to waste my time. Yeah. Someone who doesn't because I consider, Mm -hmm. even if I don't like you, if you tell me something, I do at least consider it. doesn't mean I'm going to always listen to it, but I I do consider it. Yeah. And it ultimately lets me have less anxiety about my interactions with people. Right. When I'm, producing uh, a boundary for myself, which is I, I'm always happy to help, but you cannot help the person that doesn't want help. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was what I think made that the top of mind in my head because I did a Zoom uh, actually, I don't know if you know Rebecca, she has a show Vulnerability where mm-hmm. she has um, people in recovery, like a lot of people from her group come because it's just like a nice comedy show. Nice. What's her last name? Uh, Rebecca freaking from blanking. Rebecca. Rebecca freaking from blanking. I know her. Oh, I know her. She's lovely and funny and has beautiful eyelashes and a sassy cat. Rush. There we go. Okay. Rebecca Rush. Rebecca Rush. She has a wonderful show called Vulnerability that I just did last week, but the audience in real life, they put them in a bowl and we like pick them out, but they just put them in the chat. And one of the vulnerabilities that someone shared was that I got Anna that was perfect for us was getting upset with people. Yeah. How do you deal with the feeling when you're working on improving yourself? Someone comes up to you, sees what you're doing and asks about it. And then your feeling when you see them not take action and mm-hmm. like how, how you deal with that and like not getting mad at them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was someone dealing with, feeling incompetent at work ah. and that's when i went off and i was like these people are gaslighting the shit out of you <laughs> i was like they're wrong all the time they're just phrasing it differently i was like don't listen to them you're smarter than half the people on that zoom i like went off i did not even know that woman god bless her <laughs> you changed her day katrina you made her you made her life because that's that's a big deal experiences and was like you don't think you're smarter than the people at your job what (laughs) it's i mean it's true it's like one thing to be like humble other people are smart but on the other hand occasionally my sponsor i'll be like and then this and then this and she'll just go anna fuck them they're trash Mm -hmm. and that's all she'll say stop judging yourself against other people we're all trash fuck (laughs) them and i'm like okay (laughs) So Katrina, you said you're a planner and you're talking about dealing with people. How do you experience anxiety? Do you have, do you have any anxiety in your life surrounding some of these things we've talked about? For sure. Uh, I think my planning, I think that my planning and my like level of order is definitely like the manifestation of anxiety in terms of when I'm stressed, I 
definitely start like reevaluating stuff that needs to move. Like I have a joke, I barely do it, but it's like one time when I was little, my mom had friends over and I came out of my room with this giant garbage bag of stuff. And I was like, mom, I'm not using any of these toys. Like you need to give these to Goodwill so some other kid can use them. And her friends were like, oh my gosh, like she's so gracious. But really there were just strangers in my house. And I went in my room and I was like, there's too much stuff in here. And I started just like getting rid of things. So like, there's definitely a correlation between like my stress and order and arranging things and getting rid of things that I'm very aware of. Um, but when it, it also has a way of manifesting like behind my back where like, I don't realize it until it's too late. Like when I have a panic attack, which very happens like once or twice a year tops, mm-hmm. but now I know the triggers of them inside. Mm -hmm. Like the first one I had, now I know they start with internal dialogue. The first one I had, I was in a presentation in college and I was with all of my group. I was with this group of girls and we were all supposed to, this was like our big presentation. Mind you, even what you were saying about wellness, Dave, had not slept or ate all semester, was super high tension where I was in a group of five where two of the groups of girls grew to hate each other (laughs) where we had to rent separate study rooms to work on the project. And I would walk between the rooms because I was the only person that was still talking to everyone in the group. (laughs) So like looking back, I was probably way more wound up than I realized I was. Cause also what I'm 21, 22, it was like junior, senior year, senior year of college. So also looking back, it's like the culmination of all this stress because it was our first dry run with our teacher who I also loved and respected. So I think that I was very worried about like getting her approval. So we're all doing our presentation. The cockiest girl who like, I love her and she made jokes, but they did not like her. She goes, oh, so-and-so did a great job with her part of the presentation and then went on to critique the rest of something else. And that girl went, what was the other part that you said at the beginning again? Like joking because she wanted to hear her compliment again? Yeah, that's a, that's a great joke. Oh, wait, hold on. Can we go yes. back to how I'm great? Yes. yes. But yes. mind you, she's in a group with women who half of these girls hate her. So the <laughs> second she said that, I was like, Jill, why the fuck would you say that? Like they're all, go- oh, I didn't mean to say her name. But yeah, it's was like, why would you say that? Like, that is going to make, in my head, as the person who didn't, was trying to keep the peace, I think it also was like, she just triggered, this is going to be a fight. Like, she said that, and I'm going to hear about it later. Mm. And when she said that, all the sound went out. I didn't hear anything my teacher said after that. And I was Uh. like, and I was like ringing. It was like when someone throws a flash bomb in Call of Duty. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? And I wasn't saying anything because I was like, okay, everyone else can clearly hear. And so I was just sitting there not hearing anything. Oh, Dave went away. Is that okay? He might have an internet connection issue. Okay. We'll, keep, we'll, keep it, we'll keep it rolling. Okay. So like <laughs> I couldn't hear anything. And I was like, it's cool. So then this internal dialogue starts of, I have to get out of this room. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, these are both in both of these voices are in my head. It was like, I have to get out of this room. I was like, what do you mean? It's like, I don't know. I have to get out. It was like, you can't get out. The presentation isn't over. It's like, I have to leave. I was yeah. like, okay, well, as soon as the presentation is over, we can leave. Like, wow. that's where it's going out of my head. And this was me having a panic attack, but I didn't know it. So 
she finally finishes our critique. I think I was just going off the social cues of when other people got up, I was going to get Because we were supposed to finish this presentation and go get drinks. We were going to walk across the street to like the campus bar. It was supposed to be like a nice afternoon. So I didn't talk to anyone. I grabbed my stuff. I remember the doorknob. That's another thing when I have panic attacks. I always remember mm-hmm. doorknobs, like being able to leave. So I remember the doorknob. I got to my car. Don't know how I got to my car. Everyone's calling me. I'm just not yeah. answering. Yeah. I got to my car, bawled. Whoa. And, and like threw up, had a migraine, didn't leave my bed for like 24 hours. Yeah. And then was like, mom, I don't know what happened. And she was like, I think you had a panic attack. And so now I'll have that internal dialogue start. And I'm like, oh, it's happening. And yeah. I kind of like the last time I had one, I was about to get on a plane and my boyfriend at the time was driving me and he didn't really know. Like, I think I told him I had panic attacks before, but he wasn't really picking up what I was putting down mm-hmm. because we're driving up to the airport. And I was like, I'm really nervous. And he's like, why? I was like, I don't know. I'm not normally nervous, but like, I don't want to get out. Like I feel weird right now. And he was mm-hmm. like, why are you? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, and he was like, he was like, what's wrong? I was like, I don't know. But like, I feel weird. And I kept just being like, I feel weird. I feel weird. So like I get through security, everything's fine. I'm sitting waiting for my plane. And I call my mom and I was like, I don't think I could get on the plane. And that's Mm -hmm. all I said. But however, I sounded, my mom was like, what's wrong with you? She goes, you don't have to get on the plane. If you don't get on the plane, what's wrong? She was like, do you need to call 911? Like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I don't know. I was like, I'm freaking out. I don't want to get on the plane. Mm -hmm. And I went in the bathroom and ate an entire bag of edibles that I was saving for like throughout my multiple flights. Yeah. And it basically got me to like a dull hum. Okay. Where all the, <laughs> like that's even going back to like medical marijuana and like, yeah, I smoke tons of weed records. Sure. That's awesome. But like, that works. I yeah. always advocate for it literally making me be able to function for a full day where I would have had to like cancel a flight and break down and just right. have, all of this stuff happened for, I still don't know really what triggered that. I don't know if, cause normally, you know, how you'll go back and kind of timeline. Mm-hmm. Stuff. I don't really know what that one was from. So, you know, sometimes it's um, the last panic attack I had was cause I have a pretty severe anxiety disorder as well. And okay. uh, the last panic attack I had was on stage at the comedy store doing a roast show, not roast battle, but a different roast show. And mm. um, my disassociated on stage. Uh-huh. And then I felt like mad weird. Like I was in a movie, just kind of washing myself, John Malkovich Whoa. style. And then I drove away and threw up. And oh I was God. like, but do you know what happened? Like, did you finish your set? Um, I finished the set, which is a uh, testament to the level of uh, functionality I have in my anxiety <laughs> disorder, because I didn't know I was having panic attacks for years. I thought everybody just got upset and headachey and threw up oh. and, and the loss of hearing, the loss of, um, the loss of memory, like it does, it sort of feels like an alien's taking over your body. And there are two. It so much better to hear that that ever happens to anyone else ever. Oh, oh yeah. And the fact that it happened on stage, I walked into my doctor's office the next day and I basically, my therapist's office, I kicked down the door and I said, uh, therapy isn't enough. I need medication. Uh, and I haven't had an anxiety attack since. Nice. So it's like sometimes there is like, I do cognitive behavioral therapy. So my therapist always has me deconstruct like what was the preceding thought, like you mentioned, but occasionally it's just the chemicals in your brain Uh. firing off 
because it, they think they're tigers in the room. And maybe the trigger happened. Um, I love there was this episode of the West Wing. It was amazing where uh, one of the guys got like shot. And then like six months later, he freaked out. Uh-huh. And they, they mapped it that it was loud music two days before that caused the panic episode that made him like punch through a window. Oh. And, and so it, the panic episode could have started way before. And I, and, mm-hmm. and I just would, you would have never known. You were probably, it's like going up a roller coaster. You were going up, going up, going up, going up, going yes. up. And sometimes it takes a long time, but sometimes you just go boop, boop, like that. Uh-huh. So it's, um, it's yeah, uh, anxiety and panic is a whole, whole situation. I was in the middle of COVID. I'm walking, I'm helping my sponsor. She had to have uh, surgery. So I'm walking her dogs in her neighborhood. And the, um, there's this woman in a car and she's hysterically crying. There's a cover on the car. So all I can see is her feet, right? She's just like, (gasps) and I go, Hey, Hey honey, how's it going? And she goes, I'm sorry. I just feel I had to get out of the house. And what she described was a panic attack. And I said, like laying like back in a car and you could see her feet. She was was in the back seat of her SUV. Oh, and with a cover over it, and all I could see were two chonclas hanging out the bottom, <laughs> and I could hear this woman just like, <gasps> and I was like, I was like, okay, so let's do some combat breathing. I was like, sometimes it just happens. Right now, everything is more stressful, and so I was like, breathe in for four, hold for four, breathe out for six, and we did that like four or five times. Uh-huh. I never saw the woman's face. And she she oh, never got out of the car. She never got out of the car. She just goes, thank you. I. I feel a lot better. Thank you for that. And I said, and Hey girl. So amazing. But because I game recognize game. I understand like a lot of times people are behaving in panic and uh-huh. they think they're going crazy. It's like, no, 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 no. I get it. Mama. I get yeah. it. And yeah. that's, that's like a real, that's a real thing. I'm so impressed that like you at least are aware of it and that you're tracking the signs. Yeah. I think, and that's what I've told people before yeah. in terms of never got, having gone to therapy and coming from a background of like even culturally things like that being like, you're fine. Like, you're fine. Right? Walk it off. Well, when you said hormones, it's like I went through a phase that still totally undiagnosed, can't tell what it is, but I would basically, I was constantly sad. I couldn't uh define it when my parents would ask me what was wrong i would just say i want to go home i still don't know what that means but that was like the only sentence that i could equate to what i wanted Mm -hmm. like what i wanted to be better but i was constantly sad to the point where all of fifth and sixth grade teachers would let me leave the classroom without raising my hand because they knew that i was just going outside to cry and I would wow. just go out there and cry until I couldn't cry anymore. And I could, I really couldn't stop crying. Right. And my mom still will say, oh, well, that was hormones. And it probably was kind yeah. of like, I never went to anyone for any of that. I got <laughs> Well, girl, the last, I, I very rarely have had suicidal ideations in my life. And it was, uh, the last time that happened, it was almost about eight months ago. Mm. And I woke up one day and I was just like, oh, I don't want to live. And I was like, what is this? Uh-huh. And and you and I have had hormone issues because we grow uterus gremlins. And <laughs> yes, gosh, yes. We both grow uterus gremlins. And so I had been on all this birth control to try to like regulate it. 
I'd been on Lupron, which is that thing that gives you menopause to stop the bleeding. Oh. It's like, I'd been on all these different, like, um, hormone oh, things. Yeah. And I was crying. I was experiencing memory loss. I was, there was a whole six months where I couldn't remember any comic I met. And I just started explaining to them, like, I'm oh, like sorry. new information, you new information. Like, I couldn't retain it. I would blank out on stage. It happened at the comedy store. Like my brain was, was it, it was up. fucked up and it was all fucked up from hormones. Yeah. And so I marched into my doctor's office again. And I said, you're taking me off this goddamn birth control. I had suicidal ideations. Mm. I know that this is the only X factor. Take it off. Mm. And they put the implant in my arm. I'm the only woman in the world who it works for. Nah, haven't had a haven't had a suicidal ideation since. Wait, you're the only woman in the world. I feel you know that pl- implant people when they you get the the next one on, and um, like you have are, shit for when you fly now. No, it's like a um. No, it's so funny. It's like an it's the same thought as the IUD, but I can't have the IUD because the yeah the, the gremlins. Were, yeah, the yeah. There's there's you know it's like an Those old baseball glove. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can't. I have got no more room. They can't dilate it anymore. They're like, push oh. out a baby. It's this hard. Um, so, so they gave me the um, hormone uh, birth control implant, and it works perfectly for me. Everyone I've ever talked to is like, that's the worst thing I've ever been on in my oh. life. I'm like, girl, you don't even know. I could put you on something that will literally give you hot flashes and make you cry and hate every so comedian funny. you've ever met in your life. But see, like you said about everyone being different, because I, like you said, mine were never anywhere near as scary or gnarly as yours, but just the repetition of them. I was asking multiple doctors, like, do you think my birth control is connected to this? Like, if I stop taking birth control, will I stop having to have elective surgery every other year? And no one could tell me yes or no. So I just stopped taking birth control. And luckily, it hasn't really been an issue, especially lately, but like the past, what, Mm -hmm. two years? But like, I haven't been on, but like, let this shit ride like three more years with me not having anything. It will be hard for you to convince me, like you're saying, as the one factor that changed it, that didn't have something to do with that regularly happening for yeah. like six years. Yeah. Yeah, because it's dramatic. It's dramatic, man. It's dramatic. I've never tried any of that stuff. I've only done, you know. Well, because they told me I have to take the birth control because mine occurred when I was off birth control for the first time in basically since my yeah. But but like you said, there's so many rounds of women like, you know, dramatically music Instagram stories of women horror stories, but it's like honestly across the board they just don't know like we don't know they don't know anything they don't don't care like they don't know about women in general but Mm -hmm. also in terms of like mental health i was listening because i uh listening to last podcast on the left and marcus parks was like my doctor can't tell you why my medication works yeah it does but they don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, it's, uh, my ex who was a scientist explained it to me like this. There are several medications where they're like, you go A plus B, black box, C. And they don't know what is inside the black box. <gasps> mm-hmm. So once something crosses the blood brain barrier and hormones are a big thing, probiotics are big, there's so many factors involved and it's, um, it's just a lot. It's just a lot. Dave has wished us well. I think I his know, internet exploded. I know. I know. I'll try to nag him into uh, logging back in just audio wise, but. Oh yeah. Katrina, yeah. Katrina, what is one thing about yourself you'd like to change? 
Ooh, lots of things. But the ones, because I think, is this the one where it's like the things you're working on the most or something? Because definitely listening. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's always been something I've been told, but yeah. now I'm leaning into it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I'm definitely working on listening, working, working on patience because... I have realized the thing, not like, oh, so hoity-toity, but I do feel like my brain works a little bit fast in terms Mm -hmm. of being patient with people because I really am being impatient because I'm already at the end of your sentence in my head. Me too. Probably. I've never been to anybody, anybody ever. (laughs) That's, that's actually, well, and you know, there's a lot of different factors, but like anxiety and ADD can work together and Uh my brain works crazy fast too and like like, I've been writing scripts with people and I'm like in the future I got to do this by myself because my brain and not that I don't enjoy it like Dave and I are writing something I'm so proud of right now Uh and like it is but my brain just works really really fast so I have to like find myself like slowing down and be like okay yeah I have to be done with my part and then we can go together and work at everybody's pace in terms of like if I'm redoing something or updating anything feedback but people work in general. I am so frustrated with the speed that I think that is where my impatience comes from. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely something I'm working on. We say, we say in the rooms, the worst thing you could do is pray for patience and tolerance. Oh, why? <laughs> because what'll happen is a bunch of people will show up in your life who will test your oh, goddamn patience. so funny. <laughs> and it's true. I've had that moment where I'm just like, did I pray for patience and tolerance? What you, the fuck? Yeah, I tell you. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, Jesus. That and is so, so funny. But yeah, it's, it, it gets easier over the time when you have a fast-moving brain, and which I think a lot of creative people do. And when you yeah. have a fast-moving brain, it's just kind of remembering like, okay, well, you know, I've, I've invited this person into my creative process. So that just means I get to like be chill about it. But then there are things I want to do at my own pace. And I'm... Free to do those things at my own pace, you know, like I think being patient and seeing the benefits that other people bring to the table that maybe work at a different speed makes you in a if you wanted to be cocky about it, be like, okay. Yeah, that's where the merit to slowing the fuck down. (laughs) Absolutely. Like I will write some like I'll hinge a joke in our script on one word. This happened the other day. I'll hinge the joke on one word and Dave will be like, okay, let's stop. And I'm like, I want to my brain wants to (laughs) and and he's just like, wait, wait, wait. I don't think we should hinge that on one word. I think we need to add some extra vernacular in there to really make the joke. To make that not as big of an issue to you. And he's right. He's right. And so just like taking that humility and being like, okay, I, you know, the, you know, my higher powers brought people into my life to slow the engine that is my brain down because while she's fast, she's got a Porsche clutch, but like a fucking Ford focus cylinders. You know what I mean? Just like, she's not that fast. Dave's back everybody. Yay. 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 Oh my gosh. Let's see. Oh, Dave, I was just singing your praises about the creative process and how wonderful you are to write with. It was great. Um, and, um, so I'm going to just jump into that next question. Katrina, how do you experience forgiveness? Ooh. Okay. Cause also experience like how I feel forgiven or how what? Okay. Um, 
I think that is definitely something that I can equate with like lifting the most weight, but also I think being the biggest challenge because I definitely, especially when I was way younger, you're on mute, Dave. <laughs> Dave. Yeah, you on mute. Yeah. You on mute, Dave. Oh, okay. Sometimes when I, it might be noisy, I put the mute oh, on the Zoom so it doesn't ruin anybody's train of thought. Oh, you trying to clap yourself back in. <laughs> so sweet. I, uh, but yeah, so like, I definitely, especially when I was younger, used to hold grudges as a way that I thought was actually going to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. Like I did not get along with my dad growing up. He's a wonderful person, but we're exactly alike. So we fought literally my whole life until I was probably like mid twenties. Um, but I used to not be able to wait to be able to hate my dad because <laughs> I was still an obedient kid that realized like the more I, if I do things to act out because I'm mad at my dad, he still runs shit. I'm still, I'm still powerless. So I just used to hold all of the anger and resentment I had over shit that he was doing and be like, I can't wait to just never talk to you again. Like the second I turn 18, you are fucking vapor. Like I could not wait and that was like my one solace and anytime I felt wronged or like anything unfair happened between us was like it's okay you'll die one day and I'll not go to your funeral and it'll be fine like that's literally how I used to feel so I think that knowing that I thought that would make me feel so much better as an adult Mm. and then becoming an adult and having way more understanding by the time I got to that age where I don't even, I'm not even as mad at him for the things that I was mad at him about because I understand more about what he was already bringing to the table and how he sees things or even people's capacity to like, I, now that I'm older, when we were talking about earlier about even like our cultures and how people <laughs> like yeah. show feelings, my dad is famous for being like, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Oh, that is that being it. That's like, the boomers, man. That's the boomers. And the reason why is because. Fuck your feelings. Fuck. <laughs> the, the, well, it's not even fuck your feelings. It's why are you mad at me? Like, yeah, I like, cause this was like my childhood example was like, yeah, I'm three hours late picking you up. Why are you choosing to be mad about that? And it's like, how do you not understand how infuriating that is? Yeah. 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 But that's like, I grew up with someone who now, like I used to get so mad about that stuff, but now that I'm older, I'll be like, dad, do you not understand like even when he has conversations with my mom and stuff and it'll take longer, but I can see him. I can see him shirking around it. I can see when his brain gets to the point of discomfort where he gets to fault and feeling bad about doing something to someone that he cares about and goes, well, so I know that he at least gets it a little bit and is upset by it. And then is like navigating around that. So even if I find the patience to be like, okay, dad, like, we're good. It's not that I'm mad at him about it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, man, those boomers, we have to have some empathy for them because the people who are in the greatest generation who raised them, 
fucking ended World War II and like survived depression. And they fucking taught those Zoomers to just, or the boomers to be like, your feelings don't matter. Zoomers. Yeah, those boomers are becoming Zoomers now. In 12-step uh, <laughs> like meetings, you see these like 70, 80-year-old people learning how to Zoom. So they're oh, Zoomers now. I love this like old forehead sharing their stories. This is every <laughs> old person in a 12-step meeting. Oh, is the camera on? <laughs> Is the camera on? Um, oh, God, my neck looks terrible. My uh, I did have to privately chat my dad in a Zoom that he came on for a show because he didn't know he was on Zoom, on mute. Or he didn't know he wasn't on mute and was like 100% answering my mom in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> dad, go on mute. Click the little corner square. <laughs> Yo, I was in a meeting that was like hybrid. So it was like Zoom and also people meeting in person. And the secretary was completely peeved because we had to tell him, we were like, hey man, we can barely hear. And he starts going off about this little old lady who was who had lodged the complaint. And I just took a deep breath and I said, hey, we can hear you talking shit. You might want to stop. No. <laughs> And he was like, well, I just, and I said, listen, I understand it's hard to secretary meeting, especially that one. It's like running a small third world nation. I totally get it. But you, you're, you're not on mute. <laughs> we can't I, hear you. <laughs> like, I will light my lighter to smoke a bowl during a meeting and go, <gasps> and like double check. <laughs> How are you screaming for full sentences and not double checking that mute people? <laughs> Like the second anything gets real, you double check that mute. You gotta check that mute, man. Check that mute. <laughs> what What is the weirdest apology you've ever given and or gotten? Weirdest? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. Or surprising. Or most important. <laughs> you guys. That was so encouragingly open. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say that I've given. Um, hmm. Oh no, I'll do received first because it's just funny. Uh, my best friend from college, Patrick, whoop whoop, I love him. He's about to have a baby. Uh, hey. he one time we were driving, we um were absolutely for he lasted way longer than I did. I've, I've always been lame at vices. Like we did the thing where we were just constantly like partying all night during like, we were on like a sunset schedule for like a year yeah. and a half. Where you we were, were in college. I believe yes. that is college. Yes. yes. <laughs> but well, here's the thing. I didn't do the college thing with my college friends. I ditched everyone that was in college and then started hanging out with like BMX riders five years older than me (laughs) and like playing shins till 5 a.m. It was a whole thing. (laughs) We were on this thing where we were just like drinking way too much and like staying up and doing all this stuff. So we were driving somewhere like 5 a.m. I think we were either driving to his house or from his house to get food. And it was already established that we felt like shit. We were like on our way to be like, we're going to get this food and we'll feel better. Like, it'll be okay. And he went to go cough in my car and just cough barfed all the Powerade he had tried to put in his body. I'm all done over there. my dashboard. 
I've done that. The sneeze, cough, burst. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why it was so funny because he was like, I was like, we'll be all right. And he goes, oh, dude, I feel like shit. And he smoked. Does he still smoke? He's like working. He smokes a vape now, but he used to smoke. He, you, I used to carry two backup packs of camel lights in my purse for him. Wow. And he had what he was smoking on him. Like, he used to smoke so many cigarettes. So he just wanted to cough. It's like, you cough all the time. And he would, <laughs> and he was like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. And like, immediately started getting that. I'm like, weeping, crying. I was like, Patrick, that is, you can't apologize. It was hilarious. Like, I laughed. You made, you brought way too joy to my, much joy for it to be worth an apology. It was so funny. That's so funny. Also, also Patrick's going to be a dad. This man who once cough burped all yeah. over you is going to be dad. Talk about getting <laughs> older. Around, this is around the time he met his old lady. Love you, Bon Bon. Oh, so cute. She was a good one, though. She was a good one, though. She never, like, party. Like, she probably, like, went to that party and, like, left at, like, 11. Go for her. Go for her. She's like, I got shit to do in the morning. I got a man to raise. You yeah, know, well, like, she was like, I'm going to go be a good Christian girl that lives with my parents still. Bye. Bye. Enjoy your barf cough. Hey. And I was like, the rest of them are adults and my parents are hours away. I love it. I love it. Katrina, you mentioned some of this stuff before, but like, what are you doing right now to keep yourself together? Like what's your day-to-day Katrina practice? Yeah, I definitely have gotten so much more into yoga. Mm. Like I was doing yoga just because I had always done it before. I've been in like a bunch of car accidents and I used to dance and like my back's garbage. Like I have a stress fracture. So I've always done it just like legit maintenance, like just trying to Mm. make sure my big toes aren't numb. So I, doing it, so I was doing it the two days a week that they offered it on site at my job uh, for free. And that's how I got into my practice with a teacher that I really like. Aww. And that's how I like found her. And then when the shut, when everything shut down for the pandemic, I wasn't sitting in of three hours worth of traffic every day so I could make her afternoon class that is normally in El Segundo and like I wouldn't be there so then I started doing it uh four times and then it got to the point where I was like oh I'll try all the other teachers out and it was like I almost do it every day if like I like last week was gnarly like I got a cat I like was really wow your new cat mom yeah like I wasn't really on last week but if I'm on and doing it like every day even if everything's stressful and I just put my mat out and every like 10 minutes of free time I have I just like hang upside down nice I'm caught even with what we were saying about like surprising yourself in limits I'm constantly telling myself I don't have time this isn't gonna help I only have 20 minutes in the classes an hour and every little bit of time I've been able to sacrifice and put aside for myself and my body I'm like Son of a bitch, you did it again. Like, it always (laughs) makes me feel better. It's like magic. And I feel like dance used to be that way when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Because I danced my whole life. So I used to be mad about, like, some high school shit. And I noticed it. So I used to be like, you know what? I'm going to, because I want to be mad. I'd be like, no, I'm going to try to hold on to this grudge. I'm going to try to mentally stay mad through this dance class. And I've never been able to do it. You can't stay mad. Like, right? (laughs) And I feel like that's what yoga has, like, become for me. And uh, it's made me kind of get more into sound baths. Greg Edwards, another comic, his uh, 
a, a girlfriend, Janelle, uh-huh. sister, Jennifer, does sound baths online. Ooh. I do her sound baths sometimes. Like, I never did meditation really before the pandemic. And I did it just to try it again, being like, eh, I'll do it to like have some yeah. back. Fucking bawling my eyes out about I don't know what, thinking about like, oh wow, how much shit was I holding in that this is coming out of me unknowingly? Like I'm not having any conscious thought about anything and like billowing out of my body. So it's like, I've had so many experiences with things that I was just like testing out and had such exponentially great results with. Yeah, I love it. It's like, a a mental, sound- it's like a mental colon flush, you know, like where it's like That's it just it goes like- in and just mm-hmm. like you shit it all out. Yeah, and like you don't necessarily know it's happening, even if it's like, like I'm listening to this dude. Uh, like at the very beginning, you kind of set an intention mm-hmm. that it's even so open-ended that it can be for everyone's life on the Zoom, whatever's going on. And it's like, I can't do meditation and not cry. What's wrong with me? Like, it's so crazy. Well, you got to let it out. I love a sound bath. I love breath work. Have you ever fucked with breath work? One of the meditations that I did, he was like trying different things (gasps) for weeks. Yeah. And one of them was breath work. And I got into it a little bit, but even like the hum. Yeah. Of your body. Like, yeah. Yeah. Could you send us that link so we can promote this experience for uh, for her? I want to e. Oh yeah, I'll send you Jennifer's for sure. I want to email that guy because he is a guy that I know from like nice, sweet, hippie people that I love in Florida, like my friends that I trip with, and it's their friend, and he just oh. does a test run. Like it was kind of like I'm doing this to help people, but it was the first month, so nobody knew what was really happening or how I have to like email him and find him and see. It's a question I get a lot from listeners. It's like, you talked about breath work or you talked about sound baths. Can you give us that information? So please, we're totally into that here. Self-care. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send you two different sound baths because my yoga lady is, I haven't done it yet, but she has a lady at their studio that apparently bought new audio equipment so that it'll be better for people at home. And she's like super amped on it. So excited. I love it. What's your uh, experience of a higher power? God, no God. Uh, So I was raised Baptist. So I, uh, (laughs) I love it. I love it. Um, so I, uh, I definitely, I always tell people, I kind of really relate to Pete Holmes's analogy when he says, like, when you shake a spray paint, a spray, spray paint can, I don't know why that was so hard for me to say, and, like, you hear that little rattle, like, that's how I feel, like, it'll never go away, it's, like, too ingrained to me, in me, like, if something good happens, I'm like, oh, thank God, I don't, I, like, this is what I told someone the other day, it's, like, I don't think I came from a rib, I absolutely prescribe to the idea that there is something outside of our understanding because everything in every religion, every book that people have made is basically our brains trying to comprehend something bigger than us. That's why sun was God, because we didn't figure that out yet. So it's like right now, the fact that we don't know that black holes are infinite. It's like, we're dealing with something else that we don't yet comprehend. Mm -hmm. So I definitely am down with some shit, whether it be sentient or not. 
Mm-hmm. Either in a different galaxy, a different way. Like I am totally down to accept how vast the planet is mm-hmm. and both how minute our existence is within that and how much larger that could be than all of us. Like you, like we're trying to argue about God for just the species that we know. We don't even know everything about this galaxy. And we know that there could be other galaxies. Mm -hmm. So I'm totally down to leave all that ish open. Like I kind of am freed by the idea of not knowing. Yes. Katrina's done hallucinogens before. (laughs) Do I sound crazy? I'm so sorry. Listen, my third eye got kicked open when I was 13. So when they were like, there's something bigger, I was like, I know I talked to it. (laughs) No, I seriously, so many things have happened recently that I know like jokingly it opens up your mind. But I think that even in terms of people being like, oh, I don't understand how people can be racist. I'm like, I can. Like, it literally, I think, gives you a better capacity to understand a function outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, if you believe how you think, it's easier for you to understand someone thinking the opposite. You know what I mean? Yeah. It somehow makes that easier to grasp for people, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. I want more conservatives to do acid. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, acid, <laughs> mushrooms. Just let, let's get them really oh, high oh, and let's see what happens. Yeah. I've been working on a joke about how uh, police in the academy should be required to eat LSD. So. I just think I tried to do it before. What? Yeah, MK Ultra, baby. <laughs> I sound so crazy. Yes, you're so right. <laughs> yes, it's you know it's 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 so wild funny. too with everything that's going on. It's like it's interesting watching people wake up to the fact that racism is still alive and well and like permeating everything. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Welcome. Wel- welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the conversation. It does, I'm pretty white passing. It doesn't happen much, but when it does, I'm always like, ha ha, it's still here. <laughs> it's like, you're in charge of the coffee now, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's wild. So I my, my sponsor always says um, that she doesn't seek to understand her higher power. She seeks to experience it. Oh. And um, and she always says that anytime you see a dog with its head out the window, driving along, happy as can be, that that's the presence of God because that is pure joy. The fact that this universe exists where cars and dogs come together in an experience of joy like that. She's like, only, she's like, for me, only a higher power could create that combination. That is the peanut butter and jelly of joy. (laughs) No, that's such a great way to look at that. It's so, no, when you said that, it freaked me out just because Felicia Folks, my best friend, also, you guys know, our first comedy road trip that we took together, kind of like a little in December, she's, we're both like kind of into science, but she's mad into science. And we had just left and she went, Okay, that's it. And pulled out her phone and there is a dog. I have a picture of it lounging like the most chill dog out a window I've ever seen, but with so much personality. (laughs) She was like, that's the sign for our whole weekend. Like, we're going to have a good weekend now. 
that dog too was like, I'm a holler, I'm a scrub, I'm a holler girls out the window. No, what I'm doing, I'm living. It was funny though to like look over and be like, oh yeah, I'm sure it's a cute dog in the window. And I looked, I was like, oh fuck, like that dog is giving awesome energy. Like it was so good. <laughs> it was great. That's amazing. So Katrina, what would you tell someone just like you listening right now? Ooh. Um Keep pushing, but accept your limitations. Yeah. Is that too contradictory? No. Especially with the pandemic and things, I definitely, even in terms of having like panic and stress about things, when I'm very stressed, I so often would be like, I just want everything to stop. I just want everything to stop for a second and then I could catch up. If everything could freeze in place and I could keep moving, like it would be okay. Like that was kind of a general anxiety thought that Mm -hmm. I had. And so when the pandemic first started and people were freaking out, I was like, this is it, y'all. Like, yeah, me too. I'm like, yes. Like, sure. Obviously, like, the health part of it is terrifying in that part. But the part where just, like, the gears stop, I was like, yo, mm-hmm. we can fucking have one of these ride out for, like, a couple weeks every once in a while. Like, yes. I don't hate this at all. And so I feel like I definitely leaned into that and really enjoyed resting and getting more into yoga and focusing more on my body and my health and stuff. And now that things are kind of starting to pick up more, it's doing that balance of, I, like today, my friend was like, oh, can you do my show? And I was like, nah. like, and sometimes I say I don't want to do stuff because like, technically I have time, but I'm not going to burn myself out or not do well. Yeah said about it or whatever and so I was like mm. but then I was like yo like I'm doing that podcast like that'll be fun work slow I'll write I have like x amount of hours between that and that to do yoga I can do that so I made like a calculated choice to like add that nice but I also am making calculated choices to be like you know what I can do that another week like I would love to do everything the second I want to mm-hmm. and especially as a comic I think there's mm-hmm. a thing about like every opportunity you can't say no and it's like mm-hmm. I very early on uh in probably through like day job stuff would be like oh I can't do that but please let me know like whatever date you have next that you need yeah. to do. because it's not that I don't want to do it ever it's that I don't want to do it then and that shouldn't that fear shouldn't force me into getting burned out by always saying yes to everything yeah so now i'm kind of um picking up on how how little i got used to i mean like this is too much i mean like it's not too much it's just something yeah <laughs> like okay, i'll do one thing but also being like okay you don't have to do like three things you can chill i love so, it be aware of the balance and forgive yourself for saying no to things and also push yourself and be surprised when you do some shit you thought was going to be too much. Yeah. Boom. We did it. Damn. That's all 12 questions. Yay. Is that okay? Man, everybody, by the way, should book Katrina Davis for their podcast because this bitch can podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Where can people find you? Um, my like I'm my website and everything is Katrina Savad. It's just Davis backwards because there's a billion of us and my Instagram, my Twitter, everything's the same. And my website, uh, I think it's kind of out of date right now, but I normally try to update it with all like the Zoom so- shows and stuff. And I like post flyers and 
things about like donations and other ways to stay active and whatever you care about. Uh, yeah, follow me. <laughs> I love it. Dave, so where- I'm going I'm to spell that out. Katrina. So it's K-A-T-R-I-N-A Savad, S-I-V-A-D.com. Yay. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> I love it. Dave, where can people find you? Find me on all social media at Yates Comedy, Y-A-T-E-S Comedy, and you can pick up some hot sauce, which is my only job right now, hahahotsauce.com. So good. So I didn't mean to plug that earlier when Anna was like, he's paid, but I was gonna, I was trying to let you finish, but I was like, also, yeah, buy hot sauce. Buy <laughs> hot sauce. Do you like it? Oh, I met Dave the first time I met Dave. He was like, oh, I make hot sauce. And I was like, I love hot stuff. And even as people who love hot stuff, we know that people are like, I make hot sauce. And not even that it won't taste good, but Mm -hmm. that it's just like, fine. It's like ketchup. What are you doing? It makes good ass hot sauce. Good ass hot sauce. In terms of like people, anyone listening who loves hot sauces and is like, because this is how I am. It's like, oh, I use this on this stuff. I use Tabasco on this stuff. Yes! Dave's hot sauce has like, oh, this is what I use this on now. It has mad range. Yeah. It's, Tabasco is my pizza thing, right? So right. like, it's good on pizza. It's good on eggs. It's good, you know, Valentina is my egg thing. It's good on, <laughs> yeah, it's good on all the different, all your different foods. It's delicious. And there is an ingredient in it that totally, I used to sell back in the day before comedy, I used to make my own salsa and sell it. Oh, and I think Dave, I remember you saying that one. <laughs> Dave's got this. He, I, the first thing I thought, I was like, oh, your vinegar choice is superb. Like I caught it immediately. <laughs> and I'm just saying it's very, very good. So well, um, you, you ladies are too kind. Yay, Dave. <laughs> so good. It's like on top of being funny and hardworking and kind, Dave also makes incredible hot sauce. Ladies, I'm just saying, line up around the block for this one. Um, Dave, where can people uh, find you on the internets to get you and or your hot sauce? At Yates Comedy, at Ha Ha Hot Sauce, hahahotsauce.com. And Anna, where can people find you? You can find me at Anna Via's phone on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me on AnnaValenzuela.com. Um, where you can find us at 12QPod on Twitter, Instagram, um, Gmail, if you have any questions. Uh, we'll be launching a Patreon pretty soon. I just want to research it more to make sure that we're a successful launch. And um, yeah, how we end this podcast every time is we say, uh, Katrina, if nobody's told you this today, we love you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. (laughs) It made me giggle even through the internet. (laughs) And Dave, if nobody's told you this today, I love you. I love you all. I love you both very much. Thank you so much for having me. This was was as awesome as I knew it was going to be. Yay. We'll catch you all next time. Hell yeah. And if you are listening to this and nobody's told you today, we love you. We do. Yay! Yay! Love y'all. Okay, bye!